0: Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Are these girls going to be in the league? Hello, gorgeous. Female Fight Club. All men must die, but we are not men. Grab it, Kristen! What do you think happened to Karen? Lauren.
1: Girl, her name is Kimberly.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to big episode forty of Citizen Dame. As always, I am. Your host, Kristen Lopez, here with my fellow host, Karen Peterson. Hi. Lauren Humphreys brooks Hello. And Kimberly Pierce. Hi. Uh, I,
3: I hear from
2: everybody on Twitter that the well, last episode was awesome, and so I'm pretty sure Delia is set to be re- my replacement. I, I'm starting <laughs> to think that, that it was like a personal showgirls-esque coup, and uh, you no longer need me. I, I'm, I'm not feeling the love. <laughs>
1: she was awesome but Kristen you can't be replaced come on
2: but yes I'm back saw Jeremy Irons last week it was magnificent I might not ever be the same um he was more delightful as I was hoping uh Karen was there Karen witnessed the magnificence and it was
1: (laughs) your three hours worth of moments it was three and a half, goddamn it! And it was magnificent.
0: It is, uh, such a long play. It, it there's really so is. many monologues. Yeah. Um, he
2: was quoting Shakespeare, and I nearly lost my shit. I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Um, although it was really funny, Karen and I—Karen can verify this. We were sitting at the intermission, and there's a like—we were probably the youngest people in the theater. I know Karen will say I was the youngest person in the theater, but her and I are the same age. Whether she actually, wants the that girl
1: way. on the other side of me, I think was younger than you. She was there with like that the grandparents. bitch. <laughs> Whoa.
2: Well, okay. Well, you know what? We'll just scrub that part from the podcast. I was the youngest person there. Damn it. Um, and uh, we were. There's there's an older woman in front of us at the intermission and she's like, I've never seen Jeremy Irons in anything. And the, the lady that she's with is reading the program and she's like, Oh, he won an Oscar for Reversal of Fortune. She's like, I don't know what that is. And she's like, He played Scar in the Lion King. And she's like, What's that? And I whip my head around so fast. <laughs> No. I was I wanted to tell her who doesn't know the Lion King. I mean, even if you've never seen it, you know it. That's not you don't know the baseball. That's like saying you don't know what an apple pie is.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean. she was dead serious.
2: Yeah, she was super serious. And I, I wanted to, I told Karen, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to get up to the front of the stage and I'm going to be all, look, all you people that don't know who Jeremy Irons is, you guys need to leave because you don't deserve to be in this theater. Especially I will if stay. you're sitting
1: closer than we are. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Um, but no, it was it was amazing. Um, Karen did ask me if, if I thought it was better than Oscar Isaac and Hamlet, and that's. Like, comparing really depressing apples to really depressing oranges. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say there's less death in the Jeremy Irons one that we saw. Although, the death is all inside. It's all, it's all, like, emotional death. Um, as, as opposed to Hamlet. a lot of
0: emotional death in
2: that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hamlet is literal death. So, either way, it was, I'm just crossing off, seeing my boys on stage. Uh, and, and yeah, there's that. So, <laughs> we had fun karen had fun right i did it was fun and then we got to hang out after and eat cake and watch sicario
1: so which that was also fun because our watching sicario involved making immense amounts of fun of it it's true
2: it's true and i made i made comments about josh brolin's man spreading it was it was delightful um but moving on to things that aren't delightful well actually no we are let's let's talk let's get some a, a discussion point out of the way what well, you know what speaking of josh brolin let's get the old news out of the way you guys saved this for me correct of course we did we, we okay. did of course you did um and i appreciate it so much so josh brolin did a profile for the new york times um because i apparently it's the summer of brolin I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I say every summer is the summer of Brolin, but, you know, I've been I've been alone on that beach for a while. That is true, um, that you have. <laughs> um, but apparently everybody's been making comments because, of course, Josh Brolin had that little issue in his past involving Diane Lane, who was his wife at the time. There were allegations of abuse. Um, and people are kind of grousing about how he answered the question he was asked by the New York Times uh, writer about explaining what happened there um and he did not want to answer the question he said that he had already defended himself before and that with the recent uh me too movement that anything he said at this point would just be wrong and if she wanted to talk about it that was fine but he was gonna shut his mouth um i thought that was probably the best route he could have gone but apparently other people disagree where do we all fall on this
0: did I lose Dead, everybody? No. Dead silence. <laughs> Dead
2: silence. I'm just going to go with, yeah, I'm the only one.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm i kind of scrolling through and looking at all the things that he said. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he could have, I mean, he could have denied it. He could have just said, no, this isn't at all true. Um, but it, I guess it, it give him credit that he didn't, that he didn't say, he just, Declined to talk about it. Basically, for once, Josh
2: Brolin didn't say something completely asinine. Can we just, like, all pat? I mean, I've read many an interview with the man. I, I wanted to pat him on the back. being like, yes, thank God you said something
3: smart for once. in <laughs> <laughs> in this climate, with the way men are, I don't behaving, or you know, the fact that he took that way, you know, that way to step back, and I, I. I think I'm okay with it. I'm kind of right. I'm right with you, Kristen. It's like he didn't say something asinine. Yay! <laughs>
1: exactly, Yeah, yes. this is the point we're at, where when a guy doesn't say something stupid, we have to celebrate it.
2: <laughs> yeah, he gets his little gold star for the day, okay? Um, <laughs> I, I, and, I mean, it is it is funny. I did get some, some flack from people, uh, predominantly on my Facebook, when I was talking about how I'm going to be doing... Um, what what Kim has coined the column as Brolin with my homies, um, which I, I kind of applaud. Um I I got flack from people who were like, Oh, he's a, a wife beater and he's horrid. Yes, I am aware of the allegations. I remember when they happened. Um and we all have a problem child in our mix, don't we? I mean we all we all have have those those men that were like, I know it's horrible. I admit that he's probably like a horrible human being, but I'm allowed one hypocritical statement aren't I?
1: <laughs> Well, I
2: don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. How far it's, I want it's very to...
1: conflicting. My thing is like I I don't even know how to you say You just tell me I'm flat out wrong. I No, I I'm that. not. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying like I I hope that that's not a cycle that's going to come back around with his current wife. I hope that that is something that he has left in his past. It doesn't excuse anything. It doesn't mean that it's okay, but I hope this is something that he's gotten help for. Um, I just, I, I don't even know what to say. I don't know.
2: I'm, I'm still, I'm hanging out on the beach. I'm sorry, okay? I have my have my, my Josh Berlin pin and hat on. It's happening, so. Uh,
0: I mean, I... I do, I do think that, you know, like you say, Kristen, we all have those people that, you know, are problematic in one way or another that we, that we like. We like them as actors or directors or musicians, whoever else. I mean, one of my biggest crushes for a very long time was John Lennon, and we know things about John Lennon. Um, and, and that he also made an effort to, to change the person that he was and seems to, and, you know, seem to have been very successful with that. So, when it comes to personal fandom you know you can't just say i there's this tendency to be like okay we're canceling everybody and ultimately you can't because then you're you're essentially going to remove uh some people that you just have a, a strong affinity for because of their work because of their art and it's always going to be i think a hard thing to to uh to deal with
2: I, I think that's perfect. See, Lauren says it's okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> send, that is not what I said. <laughs> send all
2: your Lauren is a sympathizer to Lauren. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I'm just, well, I'm, seriously, which which one of us, can any of us say that there is not, that one of our favorites, right, a director, an actor, a musician, whoever, is there any one of us that can say all of them are fine, none of them are, have done anything problematic that we're aware of? Nope.
3: I was I was a classic Hollywood person and a Joss Whedon person. I can't say that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, the
2: classic men are. Oh, you didn't have problematic till you had that. Um. So moving on to people who have not changed. Um. Pixar.
0: Uh,
2: Yeah, Yeah, I know. So this came out the other day. Um. There was uh, a guest op ed on Variety written by and of course my internet is frozen today it's just Uh, not Cassandra Smolchik we're gonna say that yes um where she essentially talked about being uh an an a female animator at Pixar and how the issues with ousting John Lasseter are just the tip of the iceberg and that she says, quote, Lasseter's open sexism set the tone from the top, emboldening others to act like frat boys in just about any campus setting. So, it, I mean, it's, it's a sad, sad article where she talks about how she wasn't able to go to events because supposedly Lasseter was going to have a hard time focusing on things because she was there. Um, women who were trying to take charge were often labeled my favorite word, difficult or unlikable. Um, it does pretty much prove that Brenda Chapman was fired from Brave because of uh, being a woman with an opinion. Um, and it's, it's not surprising to me to hear any of this. I, I'm a big Disney fan. I do a Disney podcast, for crying out loud. Um, I love Disney. I love Pixar. But I have always been aware that Disney and Pixar were... Inc- Disney especially was a very sexist environment for a long time um i mean walt did not want women and black people working at the studio we all know this um and even though those those barriers were broken down eventually it took a long time to get there and pixar i think takes that an extra mile with just open sexual harassment according to this piece um and the concept that they really don't want women in positions of power it's why Pixar I, I think isn't Brenda Chapman still to this day the only woman to direct a feature film for Pixar yeah yeah, yeah. um and I, I think up until bow came out we had not had Asian women directing anything and I think it's still predominantly white men that direct films at Pixar um but so this is not this is not something that I I was surprised by um, I did I did my Disney podcast and we actually brought up, lassiter retiring quote-unquote getting his six months to to make his money and then leave um and i had brought up the joke that you know what did the women get and i I said they got to keep their jobs and my co-host bless him uh was was not really comfortable going much further than that um but i kind of wanted to be like we knew this we knew pixar is a boys a boys club
1: and it needs to not be that way i'm really curious what's going to happen now because all the animation is splitting pixar and disney animation are not going to be under one leader anymore with john Lasseter leaving you've got pete doctor who's going to be taking over pixar and jennifer lee is taking over disney animation so i'm really curious what that's going to do to the environment there
2: I I hope it does something because I think the thing that we did not hear when they when these last sitter allegations came up was we're going to implement some sort of code of conduct. We're going to clean house. None of that was announced. So for all we know, yeah, there could be stuff in play to, you know, root out these assholes that work there. But from the way that, that this is being presented, it seems systemic. And I don't Absolutely. think it's gonna be one. I don't think it's gonna be one clean sweep.
1: No, but I think that having having these two particular individuals in charge, because that was the big problem with Lassiter was everything was top down, and having them in charge, I think that helps. Especially when you're putting a woman in charge of Disney Animation, that's a really big deal. And I hope that that means that there is a tide turning there. And that this will be—it's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be like, "Oh, last year's out, December thirty-first. Now suddenly everything's good on January 1st. But I—I I hope that this is a single—a signal that things are are changing, and that they are really actually are interested in in cleaning house and and making this right.
0: Well, you you would hope, and and uh, the one of the things that that Smolchik was was writing about that. was almost, not more disturbing, but I think more indicative of um, the the culture at Pixar, was not just talking about harassment, right, Lasseter being inappropriate or, you know, don't like sexually harassing people, but also the way that, like, she was shuffled around, the way that women were treated, the way that, that Chapman was treated as, like, not trusting women or not giving women positions of power or positions where they could be what they're supposed to be, which is artists. Mm -hmm. right and and that kind of a culture is less obvious than harassment like harassment is very clear in some ways um that kind of a culture where you just sort of oh well we're gonna we're gonna make the girls do this and and the men are gonna make all of the decisions or the men are gonna be the main artistic uh forces right that's a little bit harder to then begin to counteract And what pixar has to do uh just like you know, everybody else has to do just like Marvel has to do, or any or any other major company is to start pushing and and saying like we are going to actually give women and people of color um, more positions of artistic power and artistic in, um, independence in working on our product our, our projects. And that's something because that's what that's also what people see. You know, people are talking about Bao as being this very. Um, like, a a first for Pixar, first, like, one of the first female directors, and definitely the first uh, Asian American director to produce a short for them. And, you know, that's, that, it actually changes what we experience, what the audiences get to see, because that was a very different film from a lot of the Pixar shorts, which are cute and fun and very enjoyable and everything, but there is still this homogeneity of particularly white male culture um even in you know in some ways in the best possible ways because pixar produces some great films um but that's that's where we that's what we need to be moving towards is not you know getting rid of the sexual harassers is something that has to happen before any of these other changes can happen but these other changes have to be front and center as well yes okay so she's right you know
2: yeah she is she is um always uh moving always, on always about
1: everything except for once in a while when we're doing
2: our fights <laughs> oh oh yeah but she has been winning consistently the polls well, See, the
1: voters aren't all right either <laughs> as we know from real life
2: oh well yeah that's
0: true Do um. not, you are not comparing me to trump i swear to god i would never <sighs>
2: <laughs> no, no, we don't want to get trolled that badly this week. Um, so, so moving on uh, to our last discussion piece, I think is that way we can we can work on the positives. Um, Terry Crews um, has been a vocal proponent for the Me Too movement, particularly from the male side. Um, he's really the only major actor to come forward with allegations of sexual um, harassment and assault um, against a what was it an agent i totally forgot who it was um who who assaulted him at a a party who grabbed him um in an inappropriate way and nothing ever happened charges were not filed um but he did go in front of the senate judiciary committee to advocate for a sexual assault survivor's bill of rights um which would essentially eliminate a statute of limitations um which we desperately need and a lot of people have been questioning things. 50 Cent posted a tweet that he has since taken down that pretty much criticized Terry Crews' story um, and asked him why he didn't fight back. And Terry Crews posted um, a really telling tweet where he goes through the litany of of responses that abuse victims get. You know, why didn't you say something? And he says, I did. Why didn't you push him off? I did. Um, Before culminating with, why didn't you beat him up? And he just writes, sigh. Um, And, candace frederick wrote an article for vice pretty much elaborating that male sexual harassment is still perceived as humorous um and or not real and i think that's where as we've watched this movement change and twist with the intricacies of of sexual politics i think this this is another breaking ground that we need to see which is that there are male victims out there um and if you have read any you know blind items about hollywood male victims are more prevalent it's just they don't come forward because of stereotypes like this and this idea that men can't be assaulted or harassed and that's ridiculous um so i i keep applauding Kerry cruz someone needs to give him a hug because he is just he does not deserve the the questioning um uh, much like You know victims uh, female victims um with male accused you know allegations against men they don't need this they don't need this shit they don't need you questioning their story
1: yeah well one of the things that i remember really distinctly when i was younger um was like there were stories that would surface once in a while about teachers and students and having inappropriate relationships And I always, I I mean, it's still the same way, but I remember even as a teenager noticing the difference in the way those stories were covered when it was a male teacher and a female student versus a female teacher and a male student. And it didn't matter the ages of the kids. It was just always this sense that if it was a boy, like if it was a, a, a female teacher with a male student there was always this, well, what's there to complain about? He should be proud. Like, that's awesome, you know? And it was just, it's always been this way when you talk about whether it's children or, you know, in this case with adults, when it's men that are the victims, there tends to be this this attitude of, well, what are they complaining about? They should be proud of this, or they should should be glad for the attention. You do hear that sometimes with (laughs) women too, which is stupid, but but it's there is this weird, um, I guess, opinion that a lot of people have that like, well, men can't be victims because they're strong. And I just I, I am so glad that Terry Crews has been willing to be the face of this and be vocal about it and show that it isn't like that. And, you know, I mean, what would have happened if he had fought that guy? He would have ended up arrested. He would have been in jail. It would have been Terry Crews arrested for assault, you know, instead of the other way around.
2: Well, I think I think of the the South Park episode and say what you will about South Park, um, especially in the last couple of seasons, rightfully so. But they did an episode about the double standard um, uh, involving a, a little boy having an inappropriate relationship with a female teacher and the cop's response is nice um that's the joke throughout the whole movie or the whole episode as as um kyle is trying to like convince them no it's inappropriate um and and that's that's the double standard that we've seen for for years um you know and it i think we're seeing now so much of what we're seeing in this country involves toxic masculinity and i think this ties right into it the fact that oh Terry Crews is a big guy. Um, I can tell you I just had this discussion with my brothers the other day, and I had to, wanted to slap them in the head. Um, you know, he's a big guy. He could have totally, you know, taken, taken this guy out. But we also live in a country right now, I'll be blunt, that is not hospitable to African Americans. So, had he gotten into an altercation, that could have ended really fucking ugly. If, on a lot of different levels. So... I think we're we're trying. So, people are trying so hard to slap a one size fits all label on these things. You know, oh, you know, you're a man. You should have fought him off. It has nothing to do with race or gender. It, but it, it does. I mean,
1: we it's see this with white men that say it has nothing to do with race and gender. Yeah.
2: I've been battling that it's for shocking. the last two days. Okay, regarding something completely off topic. But yeah, it's you know, we we I love how white men throw out terms. And apparently it's just to allow them to be like assholes okay so between you know oh you could have fought him off and it's satirical those are the two things that pretty much white men trot out when they want to say something asinine. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, Go Terry Crews that's all I got I I just yeah someone needs to give him a hug or a piece of cake. Only if he wants
1: a hug. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes,
3: he, he'd probably take the cake though.
2: He,
1: if he wants <laughs> the carbs, okay. Give him mean, a
3: cookie it, or a piece of cake.
1: Yes, yes. He's
3: allowed baked goods. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yes, um, that's yeah. Let's move on. To, can we move on to some good stuff? Tanks. Actually, no. We're gonna move on to one more thing that pisses me off: trailers. <laughs> we're gonna talk about one trailer. <laughs> we're gonna talk about one trailer, and then we'll come back to the rest of the trailers. Okay. So welcome to Marwin. This came out last week, but Karen held it for me for this week. She knew. She had thoughts, and I had thoughts. So, I had never heard of this movie at all until certain fanboys were, like, falling over themselves to say how awesome it looked. And uh, I was See, like... I had
1: to do a profile on this for a word circuit, like, back in February or March. So, this has been on my radar for a you while. You couldn't have warned me? <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be like this. That's the thing. Okay. see I completely missed this one I had no idea
2: <laughs> so this is a, a movie that stars Steve Carell it's directed by Robert Zemeckis um, about a man who has been uh, suffering f- uh, suffers from a brutal attack where he can't walk who finds quote a unique and beautiful therapeutic outlet to help him through his recovery process that involves um, making um, dolls and little scenes um, not unlike I'm guessing the things in Hereditary that Tony Collette was making Um so I watched the trailer for this, and I got every all the men's like yay feminism because Steve Carell's character makes dolls that are based on women in his life where they're like ass kicking. Um, that's great. I don't really know if that's progress, but that's fine. Um, and again, well, this is ba-
1: first of all, the original title of this film was not Welcome to Marwin; it was The Women of Marwin. Oh. Yeah. Okay,
2: I would have hated it a little less if they had that. Um, So now this just makes me hate it more. So, (laughs) yeah. um, And, I mean, it's got a great female cast. I mean, it's got Leslie Mann, Diane Kruger, Gwendolyn Christie's in this. But my problem is this is a horribly made trailer that plays on every fucking uh, uh, disabled stereotype that I've ever seen. So Steve Carell's character is this inspirational dude who needs to overcome being disabled through love and, and these quirky little things that he does. I think they use the term inspirational and courageous in the trailer, those are two buzzwords I hate. Um, and they're playing, what is that? what is the song they're playing? Because it's horrible.
1: I don't very, remember, but it's I feel very like I need to, nose. I feel like I need to pause this for a second and just explain a couple of things.
2: Okay. You so, explain, <laughs> uh, not
1: that, it, this is not to defend the movie. This is just so that we're, we're clear on what this is. So welcome to Marwin. Like I said, it was originally going to be called women, the women of Marwin. Uh, it's actually uh, taken from a documentary called Marwin call, which is about this guy that Steve Carell plays. Um, and I can't think of his real name right now. But anyway, uh, so he was a military veteran who suffered from PTSD. He's in a bar one night, gets beaten up outside of the bar by these guys, and ends up suffering a traumatic brain injury. And so this is, he starts doing these figures with like, um, you know, like Barbie do- type of dolls and stuff, and just creates this entire world. And it ends up being something that like, The community kind of rallies around him or whatever and he ends up getting a lot of attention for it and in the process he's finding ways to deal with what happened to him so that's okay that's the story
2: (laughs) okay okay i found the song it's the foo fighters walk oh fuck that okay um i'm sorry if you have a trailer where you have a disabled character and you're using a song about walking as like funny haha Um, no, no. I, I, I'm not... This movie looks like a Robert Zemeckis film. And keep in mind, I love Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is one of my favorite movies, okay? And it is stereotype 101. But that's only if you like Forrest Gump, the character. Um, I find Lieutenant Dan to be a way more complex and interesting character. Um, so yeah, this this did not do it for me at all. I, I don't I don't see the appeal maybe if I'd seen the documentary I would I would be into this more. Um Lauren
3: Karen, uh, Kim any interest? Uh, not at all from me honestly. I mean I it looked watching it it looked like there could have been potential but maybe it was in the trailer for me it didn't find it. Thinking about it, thinking back to it again and I don't know why I'm making this comparison but I was suddenly reminded of downsizing. Oh yes, which was such a vile, unpleasant experience for me that it just completely took away all desire for me to see it.
2: Well, it comes out November twenty first. Um, is that correct? Cause I know they just
1: moved it. Um, they moved it to I'd... December. Okay, well, IMDb is wrong. So, it's coming out I was the say, week I'm before. I'm looking at IMDb. It's coming out the Friday before Christmas now.
2: Oh, so don't expect it to get any Oscar nominations. Um, uh, so yeah let's let's move on to there's no good transition here to any of the other things so i'm just gonna go back to news so i lost my mind yesterday on twitter because greta gerwig queen of my heart okay sacramento native who i love uh announced her next movie and i know lauren is already like (laughs) gripping the side of her desk waiting um with her eye twitching right now
0: um am i wrong lauren I, I'm just relaxing and <laughs> thinking about how not excited I am about this. <gasps> just don't Blas- use the R
3: word, Kristen. Blaspheme!
2: <laughs> Blasphemous. Um. So Greta Gerwig announced that she is, she is prepping her next project and it's going to be an adaptation of Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. And it's got a who's who of talent in this. Meryl Streep, Emma Stone, Chersha Ronan, and my wee biscuit timothy chalamet are gonna be in the movie suppose they're in talks um i'm i'm so excited you have no idea it's everything i wanted
0: don't take this away from me lauren (laughs) well okay so let let me just i i expressed this yesterday but i'm going to express it again it isn't that this is a great cast definitely greta gerwig is a great director and for that alone i would be willing to give this the benefit of the doubt however as i said yesterday there are exactly four books by female authors that hollywood regularly adapts and this is yep. one of them and i am and we had a little women adaptation this year right seriously like uh, there are so many other female authors there's so many other female authors from the same period right you want to do female period drama you know elizabeth gaskell for god's sake edith wharton like you know come on guys like do we have to continue to adapt like pride and prejudice little women jane eyre and Wuthering heights that's it those (gasps) are the only female pen books
2: I would uh, love another adaptation of Wuthering Heights. <laughs> I have
0: casting in my back pocket for that Why movie. Why, though? There's so many. Like, God, adapt the, the tenant of Woodfield Hall. You know, if, you, if we have to do another Bronte book. Um, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all for Greta Gerwig, and I would be interested to see what she does with this. And it's a good cast, at least the way that it's shaping up right now. I'm just tired. I'm so tired of this being the only kind of female narrative that we can tell you're so, so tired
3: of Hollywood's continuing unoriginality their desire exactly. to only stick with known products
2: much like a star is born this would be the fourth time that it's been adapted into a feature film uh-huh. an American feature film um, it was originally adapted in 33 with Katherine Hepburn and then again in 49 with uh, an all star cast for 49 with you Allison and Elizabeth Taylor my boy Peter Lawford who Lauren does not like as well um, I don't know and, why
0: you would like him still <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> and, and then... Like the original fuckboy. <laughs> no!
2: Did I lose everybody? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, and, and then there was the 94 version, which everybody, most people the know was Winona Ryder. The, the version, yes, with, uh, with Winona Ryder. The only film version, I think, to be directed by a woman. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so this would be the second. Um, mm-hmm. I... I'm so excited. I'm so excited, guys. I, it's I know you are amazing. and
1: I'm going to join Lauren's sentiments on this God one, actually Damn because you. I the, hate that Kristen <laughs> I'm I'm intrigued by the casting and the the choice of director. But I'm I'm with Lauren where it's like, okay, let's do something else. There are lots of other options out there. Lots of of women's stories that are just itching to be told. And also, do we really need another adaptation of this book? That's just so freaking pale. But
2: it's it's <laughs> Greta, and it's Emma, and it's my Shursha, and my sweet Timmy Chalamet. How dare you? <laughs>
1: <sighs> they're nope. so pale. Like not I only know. are they white, they're the whitest of white. Yeah, I, they I know. Are. I know. They're, <laughs> they're the whitest people I, I... ever. Yes. Yeah.
2: I don't, I don't I'm so excited guys Nothing's I know gonna, you are and I don't want not... to
1: rain on your parade I just I would like some other things okay so well that's...
3: Obviously can't we can't we stand on both sides because I mean yeah I'm completely I've railed many a times myself on Hollywood's lack of originality here and their fear of tackling known products or they're tackling anything but a known product so they don't have to worry about too hard for marketing however little women was a. that was a I've talked about in top fives many a times where that movie and that book sits for me I'm excited for it (laughs) I'm so excited I like the director I love that cast and I can't wait for it
2: okay so that brings me to my game my fun game okay which the ringer Kate Halliwell, did an article uh kind of dream casting the rest of the characters um that have not been cast And this will be a great time for you guys to throw out people of color yay um because right now we only have uh they've they've cast Marmy, they've cast meg they've cast joe and we have uh, lori um but we still need a beth and i know that the hallowell article casts elf fanning as beth but do we see a better choice
0: beth is the one that dies Yes, Beth is the one that,
2: spoiler alert, yes, Beth is the
0: one that dies. I think that this really says that I've read Little Women, and I've seen, I think, three out of the four films, something like that, and I honestly have no memory of any of the characters, except for Joe, that's
1: about it. Oh, wow, it's like one of my favorite books, I love it so much, but...
2: Beth I was thinking like okay so I'm not down with like the new young up and coming actresses but like what about like Sophia Lewis from it She's too young you, Well Beth is supposed to be you could you could Beth switch isn't the, the ages. youngest,
1: though Amy Yes the Amy's the youngest Yes
2: but they've switched ages before the 49 version they made Beth the youngest You could do it You got to have somebody that looks younger than than who the who is Amy is it uh what's her face from uh Qu- lady Macbeth? i think that's who they said is cast i don't know i don't know so yeah i'm gonna say it i'm gonna Florence say it you play yeah yes i think that's they have her name in there but they don't say who she's playing so if they're looking for someone for beth and the other two are already spoken for she's gotta be amy yeah so yeah i'm uh, nope i'm saying we can switch ages. Unless anybody has better casting.
1: Um, I I really don't. I I like Claire Danes' I, as Beth. Oh uh, Claire, Claire Danes', Danes is Beth. Is my Beth. And I'm <laughs> no. I, I will say I'm
3: weak on the eighteen to twenty four Hollywood young woman scene. I,
2: I will say Claire Danes and her cry face ruined that movie for me. Um my my Beth is always gonna be Margaret O'Brien in the forty nine version.
3: And I've, I've been sitting here trying good. to i've been sitting here trying to think of where to fit chloe grace moretz in there because she's one of the few actresses i can you know name drop the hat from that age group
2: oh that could be interesting um okay so uh the ringer article has helen mirren as aunt march do we like that i was thinking jane fonda would be interesting because aunt march is a big pain in the ass and i think jane fonda could do that i know she's not english but neither is meryl
3: I, I liked, and this is one of the few places I'll stick up for the most recent TV version, I thought Angela Lansbury was damn good in the role. Ooh. I could so support that.
2: Okay, so, really, we're all talking about the character that we gotta get to. So, Timmy Chalamet is playing Laurie. Gross. Okay, but the whole point of the movie <laughs> is that people get pissed... <laughs> when Joe ends up dumping his ass for the other guy, the professor, played in the 94 version by Gabriel Byrne, who is 20 years older than Winona Ryder. So, and and nobody else remembers who plays him in the other movies because he's unimportant. So, Kate Havala's article argues that Oscar Isaac needs to do it because you need somebody who could totally upstage Timothy Chalamet. You know what? Game, set, and match. We've we found it. Um... <laughs> Any, but if, if you guys have other suggestions feel free to throw them out.
3: Well I, I will take this moment to say were you writing this article under another under I, a I sent th- I sent
2: that exactly to Kate I, t- I tweeted her because I actually did um, on uh, Thursday I did a podcast I guested on a podcast talking about the 94 little women. And we had talked about recasting it and I had mentioned Oscar Isaac and Army Hammer in different roles. Army Hammer, I said, would have been my Lori because he looks like, yeah, I mean just look at him, he looks like a Laurie. Um, but but yeah, and then this happened, I was like, oh my god, I willed this into existence.
3: Between <laughs> between Sweet Baby Chalamet Hammer Ar- Army Hammer and Oscar Isaac, I know, like, my head would explode. You'd be on cloud I would number.
2: I would be dead. I would literally be like, she died from thirst. This <laughs> was too much. Um, so yeah, yeah. If they, and and we've all been talking, it's it's got to be Oscar Isaac. I mean, come on. He's got that literary look to him. He could totally do it. He looks great in the vest. I mean, that could be. I don't,
1: I mean, maybe this is just me being crazy, but I kind of like the idea of a German actor playing a German character. Okay. And there Daniel are Brühl? some. He's one that Austrian? is a possibility. Um. Daniel Bruhl's also... face bugs me. What's that?
2: Daniel Bruhl's face bugs me. <laughs> well,
1: there's, there, well, there are other options too. I mean, he's not the only German actor. He's...
0: There's. I like um... that
1: James comes to mind. Um, oh my gosh, what's his face? Um, Max Re- uh, Remolt. But... Is that it? But he they're still in, like, white. Before I fall, I know. But Oscar but... Isaac could be our person of color. This whole thing is just... They just need to (laughs) do something
2: else. Okay, so... The
1: thing is, if they're going to adapt it, they should modernize it or something. Like, don't make it just another post-Civil War or during Civil War thing. Like, just make it different. And then you can easily, you know, swap this out. Maybe a couple of the sisters are adopted. Maybe...
2: i love kate's article go read it it's amazing um and and apparently her and i are w- of one mind so yeah um i'm excited I, I don't care don't let the naysayers ruin ruin little women uh although if, if somebody i'm not the to, one
1: trying to ruin little women that's
2: true lauren uh no I'm
1: um uh, <laughs> that's not where
2: <laughs> Although, if somebody does want to re- remake Wuthering Heights, I I have great casting. Just just throwing that into the universe because apparently I can do that now. Um, so moving on to the rest of the trailers because I think we're we're going off track. So Creed two, the trailer for that came out. Um, I was a big fan of the first Creed, and really? um, yes,
1: I had no idea. Shocking,
2: yes. Um, it was number two on my list, uh, the year it came out of, of Best Movies. Um, it was before Michael B. Jordan and I had our torrid love for each other. Um, this is not directed by Ryan Coogler. This is directed by Stephen Cappell Jr., who has not done anything of significance. Um, uh, but it's got Tessa Thompson again, and Sliced Loans there, and apparently we're doing a sequel to, what is it, Rocky Four with the Russian? hmm Yeah so timely um I, the trailer wasn't great i i really think they could have just posted the poster and been like people will go see this um but the trailer was fine
0: yeah i mean i That's... i'm i'm excited about creed 2 just because i liked the first one and the trailer i don't know i mean i don't i honestly don't expect that much out of trailers like as long as it doesn't make the film look terrible i'm all for it and this didn't make the film look terrible i was like oh this is this is about what i expect so yeah i'm i'm excited for it and it will be interesting to see what they do especially with the the russian angle like how that's gonna play right now
1: yeah well and especially like if you remember what happened when rocky fought or not rocky but when uh, a a creed fought against a drago (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> things didn't work out so well. Are you so. implying
2: that things went bad? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Um, yeah, it's just, it's all about Michael B. for me uh, in this movie. So that this comes out November 21st. So we can be excited about that. So other trailers. Um, speaking of timely, this one came out uh, the other day, and I was really interested in this. I have not read the book but it was the trailer for The Hate You Give. Um, This is directed by George Tillman Jr., um, and it stars Mandela Stenberg and uh, Regina Hall, Anthony Mackie, Common, a bunch of other amazing actors, Um, and it's about a young, uh, unarmed black male being shot by the police and how a young girl and the community kind of deals with it. Um, Supposedly the book is amazing. I have not read the book. Has anybody else read the book?
1: I don't read
2: books (laughs) You don't read books (laughs) (laughs) Um, The trailer for this looked good I mean it looks intense as hell um, And I will be so Avoiding Twitter when it comes out Because I'm pretty sure anybody that likes this Is going to be inundated with assholes online Um, But it it looks good I'm excited to Well I, I don't want to say excited But I'm interested in seeing this
0: yeah, this, this was one that, that, like, wasn't on my radar at all. I hadn't really heard about it or anything. But it's yet I mean, is this the second film this year that will be about the shooting of an unarmed black man?
1: I uh, think it is, yeah. It's the, the other spotting. one's what blind spotting, yeah. yeah. And there's also um, Monsters and Men that will be coming up soon, too.
0: Yeah, so I, it's, again, very timely um and and this one looks like looks interesting because you've also got this this dynamic of this girl who is from um a lower income neighborhood and but goes to a prep school and so has to the way that the trailer presents it at least is that they're they're she's basically two people she's one person when she's at this much more affluent school and another person when she's at home with her friends um and that's that's a sort of that's an interesting dynamic to begin with and then you've got this event that happens and and, you know obviously shakes up her community and shakes her up because the whole story is that it's her it's one of her it's like her childhood best friend who's killed yeah uh and so yeah it'll it'll be interesting i will again i i hope that a lot of critics of color actually get to review this film and talk about it and respond to it versus it being a primarily white audience responding either positively or negatively because there's there's always like i think a tendency for a lot of white critics to want to to praise certain things about films like this and then completely ignore other issues that the film might have
2: all i know is i hope this is better than the last george tillman jr directed film that i saw which was another adaptation he did the longest ride yeah, I was the only one that saw that. I, you guys don't need to to lie and pretend like you know what that is. Um that was me. So, this comes <laughs> wait, out wait a minute, that
3: is that... Isn't Scott what well, that wasn't the Scott Eastwood rodeo it, one, wasn't it? Yes, it yeah. was. He directed that? You're yeah, kidding. he did. I, I sat through that. I don't remember it. <laughs> um, I
2: remember too much of it. I owned it for a time. I got it as a birthday present. Um, I,
3: I still do own it. I haven't watched it. Since
2: it's okay. It's... You don't really need to. Um, you know, it's it's uh, actually. You know what? I would recommend watching the longest ride, just fast forwarding over the Scott Eastwood parts.
3: Well, he looks really good in the cowboy outfit, though. Okay, just watch it
2: on mute then, because you don't <laughs> don't need to hear anything he says. Um, but the Hate You Give comes out October nineteenth. Um, it should be should definitely bring up some conversation. Um, speaking of the Longest Ride, which stars Jack Houston, which is the only reason I saw that. So, and speaking of Jeremy Irons, who I saw last week, um, they made a movie together they did and the trailer for it came out uh, it's called an actor prepares it's a father son road trip movie which sounds like it could be a recipe for disaster um but I'm excited sight unseen this movie just looks awesome cause it's, it's got Jeremy Irons being him and Jack Houston being a Stick up his ass, um, and I'm okay with that. I am okay with that as long as it's better than Ben Hur and the last three shitty Jeremy Irons movies. I will consider it a grand, grand success. Was <laughs> I the only really one that watched the trailer? <laughs> no, I watched. Yay, watch the trailer. Of Friends!
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course, we watched it. We do our homework.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm so
2: I'm so glad you guys do, even when I'm being me. <laughs> it it looks so rote, though. Like, I mean, has there ever... I has there feel ever been like a I'm... positive father-son road trip drama? No.
0: <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've seen this film already, haven't I? Like, I'm certain that I've seen this film, in fact. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, the selling point is that it's Jeremy Irons, and it's fun to watch Jeremy Irons be Jeremy Irons. So I I will watch it just for that. I don't think I'm gonna go to the movie theater to see this, unless... You won't,
2: you won't need to, it comes to Vaughn. Yeah. I'm not even kidding it comes to Vaughn so yeah you don't even need to go to a theater to see it you can watch it
3: from home I will say and try and dodge as Kristen comes through her microphone to try and slap me. I, I <laughs> As soon as I started watching the plot of this, I was going, I mean, Jack Houston aside, who's adorable, he I was is. sitting there going wow, missed opportunity not casting baby irons in this.
2: Oh yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we wouldn't want to do that because we're just going to see how inept and poor the son is compared to his dad. No. Well, it
3: sounds like that's the plot anyway. Well,
2: that's true that's true but you yeah know, see <laughs> i i don't i, I don't want to look at the real jeremy irons and then have to see a discount cloned version of him okay it's just it doesn't <laughs> work for me um so that comes out the day before my birthday
3: it comes out august 31st so that just keeps getting better and better for you doesn't i it? know
2: september is really when all my boys really try to fight for my attention um so i'm excited um and speaking of my boys the last trailer we have is the trailer for Beautiful Boy. It finally came out. It feels like they kept talking about putting out a trailer. And well, then we took
1: a teaser in May. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah.
2: And then we waited almost a month for the full trailer. Um, so this is another Steve Carell movie. Um, stars Timothy Chalamet, Maura Tierney, um, Amy Ryan, and it is about uh, father and son as they struggle with, uh, the fallout from The Sun being a drug addict, um, it's based on True Story as well.
1: It's uh, based on both of their memoirs.
2: Yes, um, you had me at Timothy Chalamet and his awesome no, hair. No, really? Okay, yes, I watched the trailer for this, and I know I should have been all sad because it's about drugs, but... Okay, I'm sorry, but for a drug addict, that, that boy's hair is phenomenal, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying. He's he the, the
0: healthiest meth he, addict. He's the healthiest,
2: me. yes, meth addict I have ever seen. This whole <laughs>
0: episode, I think, is just Kristen being like, oh, I'm just gonna put everything that I like on the agenda. I, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm the only one,
2: that one that who is? added to the agenda
3: for the most part, so I tried. <laughs> I, I, I think this was a, I just think it was a slow week. It was a slow week, <laughs> that was true.
2: Yes, um. But, yeah, no, Karen, you bring up a good point. He is the healthiest, prettiest-looking meth addict I've ever seen, okay? Um, I do have a problem, though, with, like, drug stories. Um, Speaking of rote, I feel that they are very rote. Um, And, I mean, yes, that's probably because drug addiction goes through a very, you know, clear-cut cycle. um, But that doesn't necessarily make them interesting movies to watch. Um, So this looks like it's gonna end positively. Um... I, I don't really know. Well, if I mean, spoiler
1: alert: the movie is based on the ne- the memoir by the character that <laughs> Timothy Chalamet exactly. plays. Exactly. So. so yeah, I know he's not going to so die. So anytime
3: he might die, no, <laughs> no spoilers, but he won't. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. So I mean, I I thought it looked formulaic, but he really wants that
3: Academy Award. He wants that's it. Just, that's what I was just going to say. This yeah. will continue the Timothy Chalamet's campaign for an Oscar. And it's directed by the uh, guy who did "Broken Circle Breakdown," which I've heard is also very depressing. So
1: yes, it is. Yeah,
3: drugs, so. depressing, and you know things like that. That's he's checked off multiple of the boxes for an Oscar. Awesome. Um, so that comes out October twelfth.
1: Um. By the way, speaking of October twelfth, I think that we need to um do our due diligence and let everyone know that sad news this week. Bad times at the El Royale has been pushed back a week. Oh, Instead of being no. released on October 5th, it will now be released on October 12th.
2: God damn it! <laughs> Why? <laughs> this is um, the worst news the rumor that could ever. Rumor is, because they just
1: need a little bit of extra time for post production. Because they actually didn't even film this movie until January. So,
2: post production awesome. on how to get those pants to stay where they are. <laughs>
1: I don't think they needed help with that.
2: I want to know who the person is who has to, like, do- deal with all of that. Okay, I'm just- deal, yeah. Deal with keeping
0: Chris Hemsworth pants up? Uh,
2: or w- whatever he <laughs> wants, okay? You know, we're in a world now where people should just be allowed to do what they want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody or it makes others happy. Okay, so you know what? If he feels that he doesn't need pants anymore, then you know what? I'm not gonna begrudge him what makes him happy. <laughs> Because it, it makes the j- world happy.
3: <laughs> will, that will make the world happy, yes. yes.
2: You know how we could end, we could create world peace? Just
3: saying.
0: <laughs> Take away Chris Hemsworth's pants. Okay. Peace
2: right, and penis idea. do sound very similar. <laughs> so just throwing that out there. Um, so speaking of penis, uh, moving on to reviews um actually no you know we're gonna save the garbage dumpster fire of ass for the end um lauren you want to talk about incredibles 2 and oceans 8 give us something happy
0: <laughs> maybe uh,
2: maybe yeah you could have hated oceans 8 and incredibles 2 and then i'd be like what the hell oh
0: yeah i mean obviously i hated oceans 8 god i only saw it like twice um uh... i saw it true, again with true. my mom yesterday
1: because she hadn't seen it yet and it was a joyful experience. Yeah. Anyway, don't lie,
0: on. don't lie,
2: Karen. You had to anesthetize her to the movie you made her go see after.
1: Well, actually, she was the one who invited herself. I was, I was lying
2: about that. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> uh, anyway, Lauren uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to spend a great deal of time on this because I think that everyone has said the things that needed to be said about Oceans Eight and Incredibles Two. I, I did love Oceans Eight, um, unsurprisingly. Kate Blanchett continues to just complicate my sexuality. Like, I'm, I'm so... I just don't know anymore, man. But, but, you know, they might not have been lovers. They told. Okay. That is one <laughs> thing that I need to talk about, because I keep on seeing this, and I, I completely understand that there, there's some uh, queer critics who are upset about the fact that it wasn't made more explicit, that, there, that there's some question. There have been a few interviews with, like, Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett where they sort of hem and haw about it. But this this movie has. I mean, first of all, you've got Sandra Bullock like beating Kate Blanchett, and there's a line in it that where she says, "Lou and I were going through a rough patch, and yep. as my father pointed out, you don't say that about friends, and you don't say that about work colleagues. You say that about people that you're in a relationship with. Like you, when you go through a rough patch in a relationship, that's what you talk about. You know." Uh, yeah, they're, they're absolutely lovers. They're definitely in love with each other. Um, I don't know why. Like, th- this wasn't even a question when I was watching the movie. I was like, oh, yeah, they're totally dating. Like, that's obvious. And there's, like, all of this conflict because she went off and, like, slept with a dude, and he's the one that ended up screwing her over and all that stuff. So, yeah. I, well, and I... when, they
1: f- when they first reunite, when when Kate picks her up, she, like, throws her arms around her and kisses her head. So, exactly. I mean, I don't do that with my friends.
2: Exactly, no. Maybe I... you're just a bad friend, Karen.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's it. Okay, Kristen, next time I pick you up from the airport.
2: I'm gonna say Stranger Danger and have to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
0: beyond that, obviously, I loved the film, loved Anne Hathaway, loved everybody, actually. Um, I have no idea why people are complaining about this movie. It is an absolutely stellar piece of entertainment there's nothing you know other than the fact that you know Soderbergh definitely has a a better um a more complex eye for just coolness uh than Gary Ross does but still it's such a minor thing because these women are so awesome the heist is loads of fun I, I I've sat through this movie twice I have loved it both times it you know holds up to continue to repeated viewings so, I don't, I, I have nothing to say except that it's amazing. Like, I, I just loved it. Sorry. I just want to
1: add, too, now that I've seen it a second time, the first time I watched it, I felt a little bit like, uh, the James Corden stuff just kind of annoyed me just because it just felt like it it changed the pacing. But when I watched it again, I was like, actually, this doesn't bother me, and it doesn't take up as much time as it, as I thought it did in my head when I watched it the first time. So even that didn't even that's fine so
0: yeah Yeah, it's a fun movie exactly the only thing that i would have said with the james corden character is that i think it would have been better if he'd been played by uh, another actress Um, yes because then there would have been that sort of i i think that there would have been like particularly the um the interview that he has with debbie in the cafe when they're they're talking about what has happened and he's basically saying like i totally know you that you did it but i don't really care Mm -hmm. I would have liked if that had been an actress, you know, I, I, someone like, you know, someone, a real heavyweight, someone like, uh, uh, Helen Mirren or, um, or a British comedian or something like that to just kind of bring all that stuff together. But whatever, Corden, actually, Corden, I found quite funny. I enjoyed his, whatever, 10 minutes of screen time and then he was gone and that was fine with me too. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, Incredibles two, I also just saw, enjoyed greatly. I have some questions about its politics, but I haven't completely formed what I think about that. Uh, the the best though is I think that that Karen you mentioned this was Jack Jack. Oh yeah. And Jack Jack and his fight with the raccoon.
2: That is the best. That Which. The
0: be- yeah, okay. I would have. No, I was just gonna say, I would have watched the entire film like that. Like, I was just like, could this just be about Jack-Jack and the raccoon? Well, it
2: it feels (laughs) like that's what the movie kind of wants in in those scenes. It really just wants to be a Jack-Jack film. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the politics of it are very weird. Um, And I I really hated Mr. Incredible in that film. See,
0: I Um, didn't. I didn't, actually. See, and I didn't either. Yeah, this is one of the things I wanted to talk about, was that... um, watching it, I I think that it's realistic. That his reaction to his wife being the one chosen saying like we need to use her as the face of this campaign, it can't be about Mr. Incredible, that his reaction to that is very natural. It's like, but but I but I want to do it, you know? I'm Mr. Incredible. And but then he turns around and he says, you know what? She needs to do this. She needs to do this for all of the rest of us and he really tries to bear down and to take care of his kids and to be a good husband and be a good father and he doesn't always succeed at doing that but there's there's this admission that you know he he might be jealous he might not be as supportive as he thought he was and he understands that and he's trying to be better I actually thought that that was a very realistic treatment of um, the way that a, a husband who has been used to being the sort of the provider as it were in his family suddenly is put in a position where he's not and he has to accept that and and he doesn't do it by by resenting his wife or by resenting his kids or anything else or complaining about it. he's just like, okay i've got to bury this in myself i need to deal with this by myself and and do my best for my family
1: plus this movie is not actually modern day like there are hints all over that this is actually in the 60s
0: yeah. I was so that. I mean,
1: that's really that's really significant too. I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot of um, modern technology, but it's you got to remember that the gender politics thing is is really important because of the time period too. And you know, it wouldn't have been okay for the woman to go out and be the breadwinner of the family when the husband is perfectly capable of doing so.
3: I
2: that's just like that he I mean. had to relearn math.
3: <laughs> i thought that scene was great but he
1: did it that's the thing that i liked is that he actually put in the effort and did it you know you agree yeah
0: with? yeah i mean he's not he's obviously you know there is a little bit of that mr mom kind of mentality of like oh now i have to be the the mom of the family or something like that but there but he is he's just he's just like okay i my son needs help i have i am not really equipped to do this so i've got to figure out how i can help him and he fucks up he fucks up with his daughter he you know he's like going insane with his baby but he's trying really really hard and it's Mm -hmm. not all and he's very obviously dedicated to being to being a good father and a good husband as best he can and that's very I, i actually think that that's very important to see on screen is that someone who's who's not necessarily good at it but is really trying to be Yeah.
3: See, and I I struggled with his character in the last film a lot. Um, But in this film, and I I completely agree, and I thought I enjoyed him much more this time around.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Plus, his inability to take care of Jack-Jack led to a really great scene with Edna. That's true. That's
2: great. That is so great. You have no idea how excited I am to go to Disneyland in September and see the what is it they have a jack jack cookie stand now
1: they do (laughs) which
2: i'm so excited um mostly because i i did bring up nobody's brought this up but me this is the second movie where craig t nelson has had a child disappear somewhere into their house I was like, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, Jack-Jack and Carol Ann are just, like, having a ball right now in the, the film-shared universe. Um, damn, damn it, Craig T. Well, exactly. And
0: I love how realistic that is on the one hand. It's just like, oh, it's a baby. Babies, you know, cry because they aren't giving cookies and all mm-hmm. all of that stuff. But it's also a baby with all of these remarkable powers who, you know, vanishes on occasion. Right. So moving on to movies that... <laughs> Bring
2: us nothing but sadness and woe and twitter assholes and grief um uh, sicario day of the soldado came out this weekend um i'm not referring to it as that i'm calling it sicario 2 tijuana bj um which if you listen to our sicario audio commentary which is uh now up on patreon you can hear why um i feel that that is prevalent in in the the first movie at least um and really, the movie is one collective reminder that you should just be happy and shut your mouth and suck a dick, otherwise known as this movie. Um, so, I know Karen saw it. Kim, did you see
3: it? I did not.
2: Good. Both you and Laura need to be happy snowflakes and not go see it. Okay. I intend to. <laughs> yeah,
0: because that's fine with me.
2: So I hate the first ScarJo. That's well known. What I know, it's you do. Shocking. Um, I I hate no. I hate most things Taylor Sheridan writes. Um, I find I him too... didn't know that. Yeah, you 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 did, you did, you know, that you did. Is brand new information. That is, that is apparently brand new information for the people for the last three days on Twitter. Um, who <laughs> have told me everything from Taylor Sheridan is a genius to this movie is perfect. And how dare you, you dumb bitch, say that this is uh, a racist movie. People are not race. Movies aren't racist. Kristen,
1: I have a question that is totally not a pointed question at all. Okay. What are the gender and race of the people that have mentioned these things to you?
2: <laughs> Why, Karen, I can tell you they are white and male.
1: What? <laughs> I am shocked. I know. Shocked. <laughs>
2: So, um, I knew I was not, I, I, so somebody had told me that this movie threw out everything that was in the original, and I thought, okay, well, either I'm gonna like this one because it gets rid of everything that I did not like about the first one, or I'm gonna fucking want to stab my eyes out because it's gonna double down on everything I didn't like about the first one. So, 50-50 chance you get it right, what I thought about this movie. Um, I hated every fucking second of this two-hour Trump tweet um I I hated everything this is the most unlikable dour piece of shit um it's yes Villeneuve directed the first film really well but the first film is still bringing up issues involving women and race and Mexico that was still reductive this movie just says you know what fuck it we don't need women and we don't need people of color and yes You can give me your shit about how Benicio is Puerto Rican and that that absolves this movie because he's in there. I argue Taylor Sheridan is one of those that loves to throw in the token, whether it's the token black guy or the token woman, to say, oh, I'm not racist. I included these people in this movie when I totally could have put white men in this. So, yeah, it's a fucking bluff. Um... I hated I hated this movie. It pretty much says that everything you you and I'm saying a certain part of you, not the women here, um, everything you've ever thought about Mexico is true. They're all in the cartels' pocket. They're all drug dealers. They're all murderers. They're all assholes trying to take our jobs and and rape our women. I mean, that's essentially what it what it's saying, it, for two hours. Um, and yes, the Americans don't look good in this movie as well, but. Considering how many Mexican people we see die compared to white Americans, the movie has an agenda. And even though Josh Brolin's character is not meant to be a hero, he's meant to be, what's the word, everyone, an anti-hero. And Josh Brolin just looks flat out bored being in this movie. Um, He pretty much does the entire film sitting down. Um, There's not a lot of of action. I, I said at least... The first film, which yes, I did say at the end of watching this movie, my apologies to how much I hate the first movie because that movie at least tried to infuse something. So, like, Josh Brolin's character in the first film was a fucking asshole, but it, he got some sort of sick joy and liveliness out of his job. This is just him doing Call of Duty. Just sitting down for two hours. Um, Benicio totally retcons everything we know about the first movie um, I won't spoil things but there are decisions made in this film particularly around a young Mexican girl that would not make sense if you want just watch the first film like Karen and I did um, the the young girl who's in it Isabella Moner who who is gonna be Dora the Explorer uh, is really good I, I really liked her but the movie has no interest in making her a human so she just gets to cry and scream and run away she does get to get in a little feistiness um and we do get to see her in a schoolgirl outfit because taylor sheridan has a really fucked relationship with underage indigenous women okay um not to say that she's indigenous but the whole like exotic foreigner type of thing um so yeah fuck this movie i said it online already and i got told that that was not ladylike to say um (laughs) but yeah i'm gonna say it again fuck this movie and fuck Taylor Sheridan. I wouldn't, but, you know, there are men, I guess, that would. Um, the men that support him, or at least say that he's awesome. Um, I, I was just, I was angry. I was angry leaving this movie. This is not the movie that we need in these times. These, are, This is not, this is a movie telling middle America, telling Fox News lovers that that everything is true. Everything that they've ever thought about Mexico is true. And that is not what we need in a world where we're seeing what is happening right now um so yeah i i was i was in such pain i i contemplated walking out that was how pissed i was i would have left and that was a press screening but then i'm not jeff wells and i'm not a fucking asshole so i stayed um yeah i karen thoughts you saw gringo too so you're just getting mexico from both barrels
1: oh my gosh like yeah i actually put up a poll on twitter um, which is more offensive, Sicario or Gringo? Right now, Sicario is winning, but I think that's because those people didn't see Gringo. Yeah, <laughs> I, really, I don't Sicario. think it's that clear-cut. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, yeah. Um, this I had a lot of thoughts about this movie. I was just trying to read my notes, but I I it was very dark in the theater, and I wrote over myself a lot, so I'm not even sure what I was trying to say, but I felt like this plot was very convoluted unnecessarily
2: Um, convoluted yes
1: yeah (laughs) um there were like my mom and i afterwards because she ended up coming with me to see it we did a double feature yesterday of oceans 8 and sicario too, and i wish that we had swapped the order (laughs) yeah (laughs) you probably should have happy after sicario but um and or at least something that was interesting and
2: that's like going but, uh, to that's like going to disneyland and then being told your dog got run over and your house got burned down basically yeah <laughs>
1: um but anyway so uh, sicario sicario what do i even want to say about it um it, it so yeah it could have
2: used some john Burnthal, no uh,
1: no i did not like his character <laughs> in the first one you're not supposed to like his oh, character in the first one but I didn't need more of that. Um, there's already too much toxic masculinity running around in this very, movie. Very, very um, th- It's so full of, like, let's just, yeah, there are exactly two Mexican characters, adult characters in this movie that are not total assholes. And, or evil, or trying to, you know, commit crimes. And I'm just like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why are they so desperate to to prove Trump's point? I mean, to what you're saying, Kristen. Like it's just it's so weird because they did nothing to show any Mexican characters as sympathetic except for this one couple. Um you've got this kid who's involved in like running people across the border and there's no build-up of his character or why you should care about him. There's uh, there's just so many things that I was just like, this could easily this could easily have been a very interesting and good movie with some some changes, you know And the it's not the it's not the basic concept that's a bad idea, it's the execution and I mean everything from the script up and it's like the characters are not well-established. They, You don't ever really know. Like, I mean, okay, like what you were saying with the, you know, Josh Brolin's character and all these others, like there's this anti-hero element of it. But it's not, like there are no consequences for any of the really shitty things that they do along the way. And um, and downright evil things that they do sometimes. And then like you've got Catherine Keener there for some reason. And she she's, makes she's really the, terrible choices. She's the
2: white woman bureaucratic bitch. That's what right, I was calling yeah. her.
1: And what was up with her hair? Like, <laughs> sorry, what? but that was driving me crazy. Was,
2: I was going to say, this is the second Katherine Keener movie in as many months where she has just kind of played the the side character literally in the side of the frame that's supposed to be, like, pulling all the strings, but it's just really unnecessary. Yep. So between this and, like, Incredibles 2.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'd say Incredibles 2, she
2: had more, she had more to do. Um, but, yeah, but yeah. She definitely it's, did. Oh my gosh. Um, um,
1: um. But yeah, like, why is she there? Matthew Modine as well. It's like, you have these.
2: Uh, this is a movie that lives in a world where I was confused. Were we supposed to believe Trump was president or not? Because I had to laugh. There's a line where Katherine Keener says something the president's gonna be pissed because we're not winning. And I was like, ha, that's fake because our president would totally say we were. And he, he would freaking be so happy to hear that uh, our... our Operatives went into Mexico and just killed a bunch of Mexicans indiscriminately. I mean, yeah. Like
1: then there's the whole. I mean, the entire plot of the movie hinges on the fact that they go into Mexico, kidnap a teenage girl, bring her illegally into the United States, which which plays as well as it sounds. Yeah, to try to start a war between the drug cartels, and then they try to take her back, and everything goes to shit. So then they're just going to kill her? Like, what the fuck?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I don't
1: care if I'm going to spoil it. Like, what the fuck?
2: Yeah. I I, I was so pissed. I wrote my review. I was all, he couldn't read the goddamn room. There is a problem when you're watching a, a teenage Mexican girl being ripped out of her car and taken over the border to be detained. Like, Really? really i don't care how early this was written before all this shit happened okay no no you're playing it's incitement that's what i told a, a colleague mm-hmm. of mine who it's who exactly said right. well maybe it's not intentional no it is intentional it's incitement it is meant to tell middle america that you know what this is what's happening this is what's happening we're the you only one about
1: mexico is right yes See, look. we're
2: we're the only ones that can stop this and you know what Fuck that. We don't need that in, in these times. Um, and, and the problem too is that, you know, the thing that really lost me, uh, the movie lost me within the first 10 seconds when um, uh, apparently, th- this is a spo- not a spoiler, it happens the first 10 minutes and it's never talked about again. Don't
1: spoil it away. Who cares?
2: Mexico is apparently bringing in Islamic extremists to blow up Target shopping centers. I'm not even kidding. First 10 minutes, there's oh a suicide God. bombing. There is a suicide bombing, and then we cut to, like, a Target store. It looks like a Target. It's not. Um, where there's suicide bombing in this store, and then there's a little white woman and a little white girl trying to escape, and then they get blown up in the first 10 minutes of this movie. So, Mexico... there is. Mexico is helping fund Islamic terrorism.
1: Oh, yeah. That was another thing that I actually wanted to mention, because that, um... I mean, going along with what you're saying... I mean, incitement is the exact right word. And there's this weird um, belief that so many people have... That that terrorists are coming illegally into the United States from Mexico. First of all, most people that are committing acts of terrorism in the United States... Are either from here... Or they have entered the country legally on visas that we have given them. And then, of the ones that have entered the country illegally... Mo- many more of them the higher percentage have come from the northern border not from the south yep so taylor sheridan's fucking facts are wrong okay <laughs> they're completely wrong and it's entirely meant to get people angry and make them feel like they're they're right
2: yeah and then what what got me personally and and we're uh, so we're spoiling they retcon okay. everything they yeah. retcon everything so benicio had no problem shooting two unarmed little boys at a fucking dinner table in the first film but he's gonna ride or die for the hot little latina girl that's that's 16 so you know grass on the field play ball um yeah no there there's no there's he's no re- changed, he's changed he's changed he's changed by the lolita effect yeah i got it um <laughs> but then you find out at a certain point he's he knows sign language and she's like, how do you know sign language? She's like, oh, my daughter is deaf. By the way, they threw in a vat of acid. Oh my fucking god! Okay, so it's not bad enough that we have so many dead women in the first film. It's now we're killing deaf women. Deaf little girls. So I love how Sheridan doubles down on literally everything. You weren't going to care about Benicio's dead daughter if she was just a dead daughter. We have to make her a deaf dead daughter. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> what the f- fuck am i watching here oh well or it was because
1: they wanted to have a deaf character in there so they could say oh look we have disabled representations now kristen lopez won't be mad (laughs) but in order to make that work he had to be able to sign so there had to be a reason he could sign there you go kristen they were trying to appease you (laughs)
3: <laughs> I said this a number of times last week for a movie I've seen, but now I'm going to say it for a movie I haven't seen. But I'm getting this feeling, fuck this movie. Yep.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I said that. Yep. I said that exactly on Twitter as soon as I saw it, and I got told by um, a, a Caucasian gentleman. I'm going to try to mix up my wordage. Um, <laughs> who said that? My point was. My points might have been valid if I didn't use profanity oh Uh yeah yeah um and and for the last two days i've gotten nothing but tweets from from people um no you know they're not people they're white guys um who have american flags in their their bios um telling me that no this movie's perfect it's flawless um and taylor sheridan is the uh uh, Arthur Miller of our times writing about amazing amazing things, and we should all listen to them. So if you want those assholes' responses, that I just gave you their review, uh, they loved it. So this is not the I, I cannot say this will be the number one movie of the year on my worst list because I think Mute is still horrible because it's disgusting. Um, but but this is this is really fucking high on it, and it and it I think opens the door to a really troubling trend. That could could continue which is movies that are pretty much playing towards the the certain section of middle america that loves trump and i don't i do not want that at all um so yeah, yeah. i'm well, I, a one
1: oh i just want to add to um kristen lopez was included in a roundup article on remezcla i about, was of <laughs> latino critics and their thoughts on on sicario and um this isn't from your piece sorry kristen but oh this no it's fine. someone else that was also included carlos aguilar who is great yeah and he said something that i think is really important that i think that we should kind of su- i think that kind of sums up especially the problem with taylor sheridan he says it's not that cinema shouldn't explore the complex relationship between mexico and the united states in a provocative manner the problem is that writer taylor sheridan has a taste for writing stories where people of color are a central component yet their perspectives are ignored. Mm -hmm. He makes it obvious that his gaze is that of a straight white American male who can write a good thriller, but gives little importance to non-white characters, aside from making sure stereotypes are perpetuated.
2: Yeah. So if you're a white guy out there who says, Taylor Sheridan has another movie, I think they they said they just announced his next movie. Oh, is this going to be proof that he's not that great a screenwriter? He's not a good screenwriter. He's not. Plain and simple. So, yeah, that, that article too, we got a lot of shit from, from, uh, people about, about how, yeah, uh, just because, why can't white men tell Latino stories? You know, why can't, why can't all people tell the stories that they want to tell? Why do they have to be of that group to tell those stories?
1: Well really? clearly because... Taylor Sheridan can't tell Latino stories because he's done a really shitty job of it.
2: Well and I said nobody stopped him from doing it. So really no one's stopping you from telling from co-opting a, a group and telling their story.
1: We're just telling you when it sucks. Yeah. So but, fuck but, fuck Sicario too.
0: But I mean that's that's the thing and, and listening to you guys talk about this and this kind of confirms all of the horrible things that I have thought in watching the trailers and everything else, like, oh no, oh we're gonna do this now. Um, but I, there was a recent article, and I cannot find it right now. But it was talking about the statistics of the way that um, Latinxes are represented on television and on um, and in film, and just in general in media because of all of the things that are currently going on, obviously in our uh, along our southern border and the um, detaining of immigrants and the splitting up of uh, migrant families, etc. And one of the things that the that the statistics came out was that you know something like sixty or seventy percent of representation in TV and film is representing Latinx as criminals in one way or another, involved in the Mexican cartels, uh, involved in drug running, involved in drug dealing, violence, gangs, etc. And it, it really does speak to the how important perspective is and how important the stories that we choose to tell the way the stories that hollywood specifically chooses to tell about everybody but particularly in in at this moment because these are the images that like you're saying a middle america is seeing and if the only images that you have of latinx is, is um drug runners and gang members that's the perspective that you're going to have I I have to say, I come from a a very insular white community, like there are, it's nothing but white people, and this is in upstate New York, so this is in a blue state, but the the perspective that, that, you know, the people that I grew up with, a lot of people that I grew up with have about people of color is very different from the perspective that you have um, in, you know, now I live in New York City, that you have in New York or, or almost any major metropolitan area. And the only exposure that a lot of the people from my hometown have to a, to Latinx culture is what Hollywood chooses to show them. And the fact that films like Sicario are showing Mexicans as just basically, you know, the president's, the, the president's word, uh, animals, is really fucking disturbing
2: exactly mm-hmm. so yeah fuck this movie that's all I got that's literally all I can say about it um, fuck this movie um, so that's going to close out this this episode of Citizen Dame um, you can listen to Citizen Dame uh, over at citizendame.podbean.com we are also on iTunes if you listen via iTunes consider helping us out by uh, leaving a rating or a review we are also on Spotify you can listen to us there um, wherever you get your podcasts we're probably there um, you can also visit our official website or our f- Twitter we'll do Twitter first which is at citizen Dame pod um, and our tw- uh, website at citiz- er, citizendamepod.com. there's a lot of different handles to put out there so you can head over to citizendamepod.com where we- last week we did our citizen Dame 5 on favorite rom-coms uh, Kim had her Feminist Friday on Bell Book and Candle and you can also read our upcoming uh, Dame 5, which should be up on the website right now at the time of recording, um, which is uh, Movies Make Us Proud to be Women in Honor of the Fourth of July. Um, so you, you can always find stuff there as well as listen to the episodes directly. Um, I will be starting my, my Patreon series. Which, again, Kim titled it, Brolin' with my homies. Um, <laughs> I had to buy a fucking movie to, to do this because it was very hard to find. I'm very upset. I spent three whole dollars on this movie and i think it's gonna be garbage
3: um our patreon subscribers thank you oh
2: yeah so there's six and that does not include the um the white tail deer hunter movie that that the trailer came out for that for um i will be watching that live on netflix maybe i'll review it i don't know um but but yeah that will be happening soon i'm trying to go in order of least shitty to most shitty based on my own thoughts on what's gonna be shitty so with my luck i'm gonna be wrong um, but yeah that'll be coming up soon uh, of course you can always know what's happening over at patreon which is patreon.com slash citizen dame you can help out the podcast by uh, starting with just a dollar giving us more if you like what we have um, we have a bunch of bonus content up there right now uh, including our celebrity boyfriend draft, our talk about Solo and the Star Wars franchise. Um, we also it, it is up there now. If you really want to hear Karen and I talk about how much we hate Sicario, we did a full length audio commentary for the entire movie um, with special guests, um, and you can trust me,
1: guys. You want to hear it? You it's do
2: want to hear it? It was it was very fun. <laughs> we were fueled by Jeremy Irons, lust, and cake. Um, so so yeah that is on there to listen to right now so you can download it queue it up with your movie and have have a night i don't know if it'll be a good night or not but it'll be a night <laughs> um so yeah that that is up there for our patrons at patreon.com slash citizen and you can always hit us up individually i am on twitter at journeys underscore film and i am joined once again by the amazing karen peterson karen where are you on
1: twitter at karen m peterson and lauren Humphreys brooks I'm getting blocked
0: by all the straight white men at LH Business. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Kimberly
2: Pierce. at Kate Pierce 624. So we are the Citizen Dames, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.
0: If nobody's reacting, that's a bad thing. Bye.